Hello everyone and welcome to episode 26 of the Football Story podcast. Today we are talking your unpopular football opinions. Uh, obviously with Twig today, it's been really cool to see a lot of the differing unpopular opinions coming in this week, hasn't it? Yep, I uh, couldn't... Um... Couldn't have really um, expected uh, so many responses um, on Instagram and, and Twitter. So, so firstly, thank you to, to everyone. We've got quite a few to get through. Uh, we are going to touch on every single one of the opinions that has been sent in. So you will be mentioned if you have sent in an opinion. So thank you. And we hope you enjoy listening. Um, and we'd love to know what you think of our thoughts on your opinion. So I guess we'll be going through each of them. Um, offering a comment each from Nick and I, and then I guess giving a verdict as to whether we can agree um, with your unpopular football opinion or whether we just can't. So shall we take it away, Nico? Yeah, let's get into it. So the first one was from Jersey Junkie 01. And their unpopular opinion was that Paul Scholes wasn't on the same level that Lampard and Gerrard were for their respective clubs. I look... To, to, to start, to be short, I, I do agree with this. I think um, there's a, probably a multitude of factors. Um, I think Man United had such a breadth of talent uh, that someone like Paul Scholes found it harder to stand out, um, say, like uh, compared to Gerard at Liverpool, who uh, was often not surrounded by a great supporting cast. I'm not sure whether this opinion is talking about kind of the player because we, we have done a whole episode on um, that debate. Uh, but look, in terms of how they're viewed um, at their clubs, um, yes, they're all club legends, but I, I would agree with this opinion. Um, I, I personally, yes, don't think Paul Scholes was on the same level in a, at Manchester United as Lampard and Gerrard were at their respective clubs. Yeah, because obviously you had Scholes as sort of like the best player but that was taking into account, you know, trophies and all that. And like we mentioned in that episode, Manchester United basically dominated, uh, dominated that era. Um, but I think I tend to agree as well, just in terms of how they're viewed for their club. Like Gerard was Liverpool for basically a decade, whereas Skulls was lucky enough to play with lots of superstars. So I think we both agree on this one, yep. which is a good start. Give that a pass. <laughs> yeah, we'll give that one a pass. Thanks, Jersey Junkie. Um, all right, a second opinion from I am Moosey. Um, also, if we manage to mispronounce some of your Instagram handles, we apologize. Please just let us know um, and we'll fix it up. Um, okay, so I am Moosey's opinion. Paul Pogba is one of the most overrated players the Premier League has ever seen. Thoughts, Nick? I think it's a bit hard for me to comment in terms of ever seen. Um, obviously I'm only 22. Um, but I do think that there's a clear, there's something not right. It, when you see him play for France, he's one of the best players in the world. When he plays for Manchester United, he's just, he's just not the same player. Um, he obviously came for, for 90 or a hundred million euros or pounds, whatever it was. I think in terms of the last five or 10 years, he probably is one of the most overrated players, but in terms of you know, the Premier League's ever seen. I think it's a bit hard for me to comment on. Um, what do you think about this one? Yeah, look, I'm not a massive Pogba fan. I think, uh, yeah, he's overrated. I think he's inconsistent. 
I think um, we have to separate this from his talent because he is exceptionally talented. And when he wants to turn it on, he is actually one of the best players in the league. But it happens, um, yeah, uh, not not enough. Um, so uh, I would agree. And it's funny because this was, you know, Paul Pogba was the, the image we used for our Instagram story, um, I guess, because he's often the topic of a lot of unpopular football opinions. So... Um, and one of the kind of most talked about players. Um, he's very enigmatic in that, in that kind of sense. Um, so there's actually, well, a few more Pogba ones that we're, we're going to get through now. So um, look, I, I'm happy to agree with, agree with that one. Yeah. I think in terms of how, you know, the, the amount of Premier League we've watched, he's probably one of the most overrated players. So now we'll move on to the next one, which was from Ariane Sagal, I believe. Ariane underscore Sagal. And this one was, uh, you know, along the same lines, that Pogba should leave Manchester United. Just leave. Doesn't matter if he's one of the most overrated players. He should just leave. So what do you think about this one? Uh, Totally agree. Um, I'm not sure this is even that overly unpopular. Um, I think he just... I think there's quite a few players that should leave Man United. Um, People like De Gea, I think, are going to be better off playing for other clubs. Clearly, Pogba plays well for France. He was fantastic at Juventus. Um, I think Man United really need to be putting their their time into breeding through players like Scott McTominay um, and giving Donny van der Beek um, the minutes he needs. Pogba is not the future of the club, so I do agree that Pogba should leave Man United. So three from three for me. I agree with that, Nick. Yeah, I think he definitely thrive. He he just doesn't thrive in the system and at the club. Obviously, we just mentioned the hefty price tag. It probably hasn't worked out. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he was to leave, how much he would actually go for. What, what, what do you reckon he would go for if in today's um, market? Oh, I think they're not going to make a profit on him. No. Uh, realistically, he'd probably go to Real and Real would probably play, pay over price for him. He'd, he'd probably be looking 80 mil, I reckon. Yeah. So they'd recuperate most of their money. But I think in an ideal world, he'd be starting for them every week, being one of the best midfielders in the world. Yeah. So our next opinion and our last Pogba-centric one, uh, Dan Speak has sent in, Tangui Ndombele is better than Paul Pogba. Nick, where do we start with that one? (laughs) It feels like we've just bashed Pogba for the last two. Um, Ndombele's only played 25 Premier League matches for Tottenham. In the in has he been here for a year now? Uh, yeah, so he, he he was signed at the start of last year, and and then he kind of fell out of favour when Mourinho came, and he started really well. If you remember, he scored that goal on on his debut, and he's on a yeah. really hot run of form in the last three weeks. Whether we could say he is better than, I mean, yes, we have bashed Pogba, but Pogba is a World Cup winning midfielder. Um, oh, I love on it. talent really... on. T- on talent, Pogba wins every day. But look, um, in, in is kind of like a young Pogba in a lot of ways. Um, but he's also like Pogba in a lot of ways in the fact that he is quite lazy. So uh, he's only twenty three. So yeah, he's got a high ceiling. Look, at the moment, I, I like we're obviously going to try and agree with these opinions as much as possible. I'm not sure I could say at this moment. In double A is better than Pogba. I think he could be. I think he very well could be um, if he applies himself. Ugh. 
I tend to agree. I don't think yet. I think he can. I don't yeah. know if he will. He's got a chance, like you said, if, if he works hard and maybe loses some of that laziness. Yeah. Um, then he's got a high ceiling. But I think for now, I don't think you can say he's better than, than Paul Pogba. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Dan's actually my friend, so I might get in a bit of trouble over this. But this is our first one that we uh, cannot agree with. That is, yes, firmly an unpopular opinion. Yeah, big line through that one. Um, so our next one is from Demostri21. I think this is a bit of a, maybe a bit of an overreaction to United's first four matches in the Premier League. But his unpopular opinion is that United will not make the top eight. Look, it could be an overreaction, but at the same time, we could be seeing a similar season to what Chelsea had a few years back um, when they came in about eighth. Um, if, if Ole is sacked, um, we often know what happens when managers are sacked. Um, often the team is going to suffer. So, look, to be honest, and, and, and there are a lot, a lot of good teams in the Premier League this season. Um, you know, for me, I, I, I see Liverpool above them. I see City above them. I see Arsenal, Tottenham. I see Everton above them. I probably see Everton. Le- I see Everton above Man United, and I probably see Leicester above Man United. Um, uh, I think I think a team like Southampton or Leeds will have to have an extraordinary season yeah, for United to like, not make the top eight. Yeah. Because like that, because I think there's five or six strong teams, but then like, I, then I don't think they're going to make Champions League. But this opinion would say United would be finishing ninth, and I, ugh, I can't go that far. If it was, if it was United will not make the top six, I could agree with that. Top eight, I, uh, it's a long season and they have depth, so, uh, uh, I. I want to agree, but I'm not sure I can make the bar that low. I, I think they will make the top eight. As a Liverpool fan, I would love to agree, but I, I, uh, I agree with you, Twig. I can't see them not making top eight. To be honest, I still think they'll come top four or five, um, which might be a bit controversial. But I just, like you said, they've got the talent. They've obviously had a bit of a rocky start. But yeah, I, that, I think they'll come top eight. Yeah. Um, so next opinion from Blake Tumor. Or Tuma. Um, Marcus Rashford is Man United's best player. Sort of side note, Bruno Fernandes only scores penalties. Thoughts? Rashford, Man United's best player? I remember when we did our Premier League team of the season, we, we sort of tried fitting in Rashford from last season, but then the boys from Premier League nightclub, I think one of them was a United fan, and he was like, absolutely no way. Um is he United's best player? It's hard to say. I think yeah, De Gea's I, I, won five of the last seven United player of the seasons, but obviously the last two seasons he's really struggled. Yeah. Um, I love what Rashford's doing away from the game. Just a bit of a side note. Mm. Um, all of his, you know, racial justice and poverty and all that stuff. It's, it's an amazing yeah. achievement for such a young man. Is he United's best player though? Um, I think he's close, to be honest. I, I yeah. do think he's close. Um, I don't agree with the the side note that Bruno Fernandes only scores penalties um, because he's an exceptional player for Portugal and he does not take the penalties for Portugal. Um, is he their best player? Look, it's close. I reckon there's a few players in that debate. Um, Anthony Martial is also in that debate. Um 
Cavani, I reckon. No, no, not Cavani. (laughs) I reckon he's close. I think it's between probably Rashford, Fernandez, De Gea and Martial, I'd say. I think you could make a case for this this opinion. Um, I do I personally think he's their best player. No, do I think it's an that an outlandish opinion? No, I think it's a it's a pretty decent opinion. But I personally don't agree with it. If he's not, who's the best? Um, because I feel like he's not the best. But then when I try to when you try to actually head, who's think the who's best? the best, he's oh. only like twenty two or twenty three, and he. He scores yeah, 15 uh, or 20 goals a You season. just want a bit more consistency, really. Um, yeah. But look, oh, he, he'll be probably England's starting winger at, at the Euros. Um, oh, he, all right. You know, I'll give this a pass. I, I actually, I'm, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to agree with this. Um, I think Bruno Fernandes give him a bit more time and he probably will take over that mantle. But for what Rashford's done over the last four years um, and for England... Um, and yeah, bonus points for him being a fantastic human off the field. Yeah. Well said. I agree. So our next opinion is from my godbrother, Vasilios Trebellus. And his opinion, um, diehard Liverpool fan at, at 14 or 15, uh, was that Salah will become a Premier League legend. Uh, yes, I think... Um, the only thing that would stop that is a move away from the Premier League at the end of this season or next season. Um, I think to become a Premier League, a Premier League legend, you need to have longevity. Um, he's played 112 matches for Liverpool and I think yeah, five or 10 for Chelsea. Um, look, he's sort of, in my eyes, he's somewhere sort of, because obviously he's had that had that amazing season. What was that? 17-18. 17-18, yeah. Um, which having a season like that um, is, is enough to kind of put you in, in those echelons. Um, and he's, look, he, he's got all the ingredients to become a Premier League legend. He, he would just need to have two to three more seasons. And yes, he is, yeah, ab- absolutely. I think I think it's a bit similar to the Suarez situation, who only had you know three seasons, but he basically carried Liverpool almost to a title. But Salah coming in first season, you know, like you said, he had his ten, fifteen matches for Chelsea, but to break the Premier League goal scoring record in your first season, you know, we've talked about on the show before, you know, the likes of Aguero and and Kane and Shearer and Henri and Suarez, and he beat all of them as a right winger. But I think it does come down to longevity. I think. Three years doesn't give you Premier League legend status. He'll be known as, you know, those seasons will be legendary. Like, he still had 19 goals and 12 assists, I think, last season, and or 22 goals the season before. Like, he still basically scored 25 goals a season on average, which is, which is great. But I think he still needs to do it for a couple more years. Yeah, he's kind of like probably in that same kind of place that, say, someone like Riyad Mahrez is. Yeah, um, Riyad Mahrez has played fair. a bit longer, but he, he had that amazing 15-16 season where he was just unplayable. Um, and then you need the longevity to move into someone more like an Eden Hazard who'd spent an extended period of time. But yes, I, I, I don't see him moving away um, while Klopp's there. Um, so I would be more than happy to agree with that, Nick. Yep. Yep, definitely. Awesome. I agree. Awesome. Our next opinion um, comes from Michael Donnarumma, who you might remember from um, some of the earlier podcasts we did. 
uh, and his unpopular opinion is Jack Grealish uh, will win the PFA Player of the Season this year. Oh, I'll tell you what, he's been on fire the first three games. I watched him last week against my Liverpool and he destroyed us. Uh, he scored three goals and had three assists in the first four matches. So that's pretty impressive and, going at and, a goal and a half. Yeah, and put on a show for England um, this yes. week. So, yeah, he, he's, seri- he's some player, isn't he? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that he, he re-signed for Villa. I think him showing his intentions and, and all that, you know, Villa's had a really good off-season too in terms of signings. You know, they just brought in Ollie Watkins and he scored a hat-trick in his first Premier League game, I think. So, yeah, I think if, if Villa were to, to push, you know, I had them being relegated, but if they were to push, you know, 10th or 12th and he was to keep up this form, I think it's going to be hard to have a goal or an assist every game. Yeah. But if he were Look, to... For this to happen, you would need Villa to be sniffing around Europa League really because look I think he'll make PFA team of the year um, yeah definitely but the way that this award works is that it goes to usually the best player on the best team or the second best team whether whether he could pip say Mo Salah or De Bruyne um to that award. They're going to have to have very down years for yeah. someone like Jack Grealish to, to pip them, I think. So, look, I would say yes to PFA team of the season, being one of the best two midfielders. Um, I don't think he'll win PFA player of the season, no. No, I, I tend to agree there. The next one is from Joseph Esposito, who we've also recorded an episode with. It was the best clubs of the 21st century, I believe. And his opinion as another diehard Liverpool fan, was that Everton are two or three injuries away from mediocrity. They would have to be very specific injuries. Um, Schwartz would... actually said this on Optusport a couple of weeks ago. Oh, so Espo's just pilfering his opinions from someone else. Um, look, they would so. have to be three very specific injuries and those would have to be Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, James, James Rodriguez, Rodriguez. and... Um, Probably Michael Keane, like or I, Lucas Digne, someone yeah, like that. Um, I, I'm gonna look. I, I, we are trying to agree with them as much as we can, but um, uh, the reason I would say no is Carlo Ancelotti. I think um, great coaches can can do great things um, with a squad um, and are not as affected by injuries. Um, yeah, look, clearly an injury to Calvert Lewin uh, would be a a real um, blow, blow, especially as they sent Moise Ken out on um, on loan. Um, but look, they have depth. They've got Richarlison. They've got players like Gilfie Sigurdsson who are at the moment coming off the bench. Um, uh, I was about to say that. I was going to say even if Hummers was to get injured, you know, last season they had Sigurdsson and Tom Davies starting, but if they were, yeah. you know, to come in for a month or something, I don't think it would... I think Hummers would be a huge loss. He's had a great start. But yeah, I, that, I still think the one main one is, is Calvert-Lewin. If he goes that, down, yeah. then they I, would have, I can agree. They would have to be three very specific and long-term injuries. And what do we f- define as me- mediocrity? I mean, uh, does that mean below top 10? I, I don't think they're going to drop out of the top 10. Probably missing Europe, I'd say. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could happen, but um, to say that, uh, to be honest, like, there's only a few teams you actually couldn't say this about. Like, which teams wouldn't um, fall into mediocrity with two or three key prolonged injuries, like, realistically? Apart yeah, it happens from the, to every team. Yeah, yeah. It's like saying, you know, if you take Harry Kane, Son Heung-min and... Um, Lloris. Lloris out of Tottenham. Of course, they're going to slip into mediocrity, but... Um, so sorry, Espo. I'm not sure I can completely agree, Nick. I think I think like we we've just mentioned depends who got injured, but I think um, if it was to be three, you know, squad players or, or three players that they have good bat, you know, good coverage in, then I don't. I, I I can see Everton making top six this season, no matter what. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna disagree with that yeah. one too. And Espo, stop pilfering your um, ideas off Mark Schwarzer. Thank you. Um, next opinion. Manuela Soma has sent in, Virgil van Dijk isn't as good as everyone acts like he is. Oofed. That's got to hurt, Nick. I think this is a, a bit of another overreaction after the 7-2 loss, where basically his uh, partner in crime, Joe Gomez, handed three goals and three deflected goals as well. I mean, they, they all count, but I think it's a bit of a bit of an overreaction i think he's proven in the last two years that two or three years really that he's up there with probably sergio ramos as the best center back in the world so i think i might be a bit biased so probably better for you to comment on this um, um i could agree very slightly in the fact that if people think he's like clearly the best center back in the world i mean i don't know what the popular opinion is the popular opinion that he is the best center back in the world i, I think so I th- then then I would agree basically. then because I, I think he's the second best. I don't, I, I still don't think he is as consistent and as um, determined and can change a match like Sergio Ramos can. And I think still in terms of pure defending, they're, they're at about the same level. Um, uh, it, it, it really matters. It, it, it depends on how good we are thinking everyone acts like he is. Um, people act like he's the best center back in the premier league yeah, and he is um if people are acting like he's the best defender in the world or the best defender in the last 10 years um then i, I can agree with this opinion but i think it's wrong for, for people to sort of um compare him to the likes of, of ferdinand and vidic and terry for that matter i think yeah. I, I saw a stat that in 05 04 05 uh terry Chelsea conceded like nine goals or something or Terry did. I don't or know Terry if he played did. every No. And um we conceded seven against Aston Villa. Well, that that's silly. I mean look for me personally he's the best defender in the Premier League and the second best centre back in the world. Um how that relates to how good everyone actually thinks he is, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. That's fair enough. So we'll move on to the next one, which was from one of my best mates, Dimitri Alateris. And his opinion was that Mourinho has had a better managerial career than Sir Alex Ferguson. Well, this is interesting. And I, I, this is a really interesting take. It, it, it reminds me a little bit of that kind of Messi Ronaldo debate in, in the sense that Mourinho's done it in multiple leagues. Um, and we look at Sir Alex Ferguson as obviously he managed um, in Scotland with Aberdeen, but obviously is largely remembered for his time at one club, whereas we don't actually clearly associate Mourinho with um, 
one club. I'd say Chelsea, but yeah, it's not like we do. But cut. then, yeah, but but I think then a lot of people actually associating with Porto, um, you know, and he, he's he's worked at all the big clubs. Um, he kind of came through um, as an assistant at Barcelona and. Like winning the the Champions League in two thousand and four with Porto is is an incredible achievement. Um, it, it, we're basically playing up longevity because Alex Ferguson uh, just the dominance in the Premier League, um, and clearly the way Man United function now, we can see like how much of a holy left. Oh, I, this is actually. I think I think that Mourinho has like the 2004 Champions League and the 2010 Champions yeah, League with Inter. Inter. Yeah. I think those two are more impressive than any one trophy of Sir Alex Ferguson. Agreed. So in terms of the odds against him, and you know, in 04, I'm pretty sure he'd only been managing for a couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah. That was like sort of Mourinho as, as a baby as such. But, yeah. you know, Sir Alex Ferguson won 13 Premier Leagues. And was it... Two Champions Leagues? Yeah, what would have been 1999 and, and uh, 2008. Oh, yeah. So, oh. but to be honest, I mean, the other sense is like, let's say Mourinho does something incredible with Spurs and like wins them the Premier League or a, a, a big trophy. Um, then, yeah, I think we'd be, I think if he could win another Champions League, Mourinho, we, we I, I'd be talking about him in the same conversation, but... To be honest, Sir Alex is is probably in the in the top three managers of all time, um, probably with probably probably second really behind Renus Meikles. Um, so at, at the moment, I would tend to slightly disagree, but I think it's a really interesting take actually. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. I think it's sort of hard to go past uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's longevity and body of work over two. Two, I think it was 27 years. I think he was at United. Yeah. Yeah. Something which is along crazy, those lines. which is mental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that's a really interesting take. Um, so that's kind of, um, we're kind of moving away from the Premier League specific ones now. This one is, is really interesting. And this has come uh, to us from Zach Rees, who um, did feature on our fan culture episode part two, um, which we've had a great reaction to. Um, and, and Zach is, is very philosophical in his views of football. And his opinion is that the big teams in Europe should make a super league and let the rest of us play real football. Um, and I think we, well, we think what he means by that is let the money hungry clubs, the big clubs go off and form their own super league, which is often talked about and, um, let the real football fans who enjoy going down to the to their local on a, on a Saturday. Um, do Amy that. Park. Yeah. Without, without, um, yeah, I guess having those big, big clubs winning everything and pilfering all the players. Um, uh, Super League, uh, the, the idea of a Super League kind of scares me. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I do as well. Um, because I think that would completely ruin the novelty of the Champions League. Um, so... I understand what he's saying. Like, I think um, money is ruining football um, and the big clubs are playing off the little clubs. Um, 
And I think we can see that in, in the English system at the moment with um, some of the smaller clubs uh, with no crowds really struggling. And I, th I think that um, sucks. Um, can we make more efforts into kind of um, distributing the kind of income better? Uh, yes. Um, I, the, my problem is this. If, if a Super League is made people are going to watch it. And it, I think it's actually going to hurt the smaller clubs more. I, idealistically, yes, Zach, I completely agree. Realistically, people like Messi and Ronaldo put bums on seats. And, um, you know, that's where the TV deals are coming in. That's obviously where the money is. And I don't think there's, an, I, I don't think there's enough people with this opinion that would make it work. We would need a lot more people to have this same opinion for it to actually come to fruition. Um, but I, idealistically, I agree. I agree with the premise of it that that real football is is football without money and without um, that kind of bureaucracy. I think you've covered it all there. I think, yeah, they flirted the idea of it. I, I remember six to twelve months back, and you know they were like, oh, Liverpool, Manchester United, Man City, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona. It's basically just a league that's the Champions League, really. Um, so, yeah, yep. I don't think I agree with it and I don't think you do either. You you, you agree with, you know, the premise and the yep. I don't the agree idea. That, yeah, I don't agree that's the solution. Yeah, exactly right. Yep. So we'll move on to the next one. I think this is something that you can talk about um, having gone to the last World Cup. And I know you're a massive national team supporter. So this came in from C. Aitken14. And it was that international football is the most important thing in the entire game and is massively undervalued. Um, I don't want to pick favorites, but this was my favorite opinion. Uh, I absolutely could not agree more with this. I think when we actually see, it's interesting that we, we come from the opinion about the super league because, and I don't think people realize this and it's funny because we're on an international break right now. And often during an international break, you see people complain. There's no premier league. There's no, this, there's no, that international football is football without the money. Right. So I, I find, I find it funny when people complain about this kind of stuff that they're actually, they're not going to international football. There is a small amount of bureaucracy when it comes to like 16 and 17 year olds who, um, you know, have dual kind of nationalities, um, you know, players like Ansu Fatty, who will he play for? But once they start playing for that country, that's it. There's no transfers. There's no money. Um, I could not agree harder with this opinion. I think it's also, the other thing is we, we often, um, you know, there's, there's pe people, you know, don't support their local team and they support a team in Europe that they have no connection to. Um, international football, you have no choice in who you follow. No one chooses their national team. People choose their club teams, and it happens quite a lot. People choose club teams that they are not associated with. No one in Australia who identifies as Australian supports another international football team. That doesn't happen. You support the team of the nationality that you are. There's no money we get to see players that we don't see on a regular basis. We get to see different combinations of teams. The world cup is the greatest event in the football yeah, calendar. That's what I was we, about to say. I think the passion's unrivaled we in get, terms of international yeah, football. We get copper America. We get 
the Asian Cup, African Cup of Nations. I mean, I'm loving the Nations League this year. I just think it's such a great idea. I love seeing the different kind of players from different clubs come together and, and play. I love watching some of the smaller nations um, with, with superstars or the kind of the nations with like one big superstar, you know, kind of like your Henrik Mkhitaryan at, at Armenia and yeah, an old black playing for Slovenia. I love tuning into those games. Um, we get to see awesome stadiums all around the world. Um, I love, you know, the Socceroos are, are my main passion in football. Um, and I totally agree. It is the most important thing. And, and it is football without the money and without the transfers, which is kind of what a lot of us long for. So a bit of a rant, sorry. Yeah, um, I was going to say two in a row where I basically can't say anything. But well, yeah, you I'll can. I mean, do you, you. do you tend to agree? I mean... Uh, it's actually been you'd... talked about a, 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 a bit in the last, you know, seven days. A lot of people have been saying, obviously, this is the situation we're right uh, in at the moment with COVID that international matches shouldn't have gone ahead in this international break. Um, I know from a, a Liverpool point of view, Shakiri went to, to Switzerland and was, had COVID and then Naby Keita overnight or two nights ago um, has tested positive. And I know there's been a lot of talk about it, but in terms of in a normal situation, I agree. But I think, yeah, it's just been talked about a bit in, in, the news and all over Twitter and Instagram in the last couple of days, just because of what's going on in the world. But I think, yeah, in a normal circumstances, the world cup is the pinnacle of the sport. Um, The passion's unrivaled. You know, I've gone to to Sydney when we played against Honduras uh, to, to watch us qualify. And, you know, there was just like a massive emotion attached and, you know, I have that emotion attached to Liverpool and, and have that emotion attached to Melbourne victory, but, there's a real patriotic sort it's of different. feeling. Yeah. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what club you support. And that's the no. beauty of it is in, even in a country like England, where everyone is so divided at club level, everyone comes together at, for the national team. And yeah. It's not as divided here in Australia. Like I was giving high fives and hugs and everything to just random people around me. Obviously there was 80,000 people at the, at the stadium and it was an amazing experience, but yeah, I, I tend to agree with everything that you've said there, Twig. Yeah. So yes, C Aiken, massive, massive approval on that one. Um, next opinion, um, Alejandro Vivado has written in playoffs. So the EFL playoffs are overrated. Brentford would have gone up last season if it weren't for the playoff system. Um, yes, Brentford did finish third in the championship. Um, and I would have loved to have seen Brentford in the Premier League, to be honest. I'm not overly keen on seeing another drab Fulham team that will probably get relegated again. Um, I think it's unfortunate for Brentford. Does that mean then I think that the playoffs are overrated just because a team that really should have gone up didn't? To be fair, it was their fault. Their last two yeah, games, they the drew thing. and lost to the two bottom teams, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, they shouldn't. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think. So if Lee, you're saying it off one year, I think it's a bit yeah rash. I guess. Um, I love the spectacle. I guess of the playoff game for the Premier League. Um, I really love it. Um, to be Richest honest, game my, in the world. Yeah, I mean, my my actual probably one of the my uh, my ideal format is actually what they do in Germany, where the where the third last in the Bundesliga plays off with the third highest from the second Bundesliga. I actually like that idea a bit better. Which, in that sense, it you know we would have been looking at you know um, Brentford playing or who would it have been? 
Brentford Born, playing Bournemouth or, or or Watford. Um, yeah, Watford, I think. So it, I think that potentially might be a slightly better method rather than rewarding sixth place um, or even just doing a one-off game between like third and fourth. But Did Fulham come sixth? Um, well, they... Uh, well, I can't remember where Fulham came, but not third. Um, no. Uh, I, I love the showpiece at Wembley. Um, I, I really do. Um, yeah, I, I'll go with the fact that they're overrated and maybe the system needs to be changed. I, w- I would like to see the, the lowest Premier League team outside of relegation play the highest team outside promotion. That would be my ideal. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll pay this opinion. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Fulham came fourth, so it's not as terrible as, you know, coming sixth. But, yeah, maybe the, there could be, a, you know, a bit of a tweak made to the system. Uh, like like you mentioned, the Germany system seems to work pretty well. So, yeah, I, I agree with this one, sort of. You know, it's a bit of a 50-50 one, like you said. We'll move on to the next one. This is from Big Easy Alvarez. He said that it uh, it is harder to harder than ever to crack into the starting 11 of a professional team. I tend to agree. I, I hear a lot of stories. Um, I've listened to, you know, podcasts of, um, you know, you know, just players I've, I've heard about, you know, Michael Owen and, and, and Jamie Carragher. And it seemed like, you know, wherever you were from, you sort of grew up, you, you, you got into the Academy, you played there. And I don't know. I feel as though that's a bit, a bit lost in today's game. I don't know where you sit, but just for me, it does seem a bit like, feels like it's even hard to crack into like the Melbourne victory. Youth yeah. Squad, let alone say, cracking into yeah. Manchester United. Or yeah, Liverpool. It feels like if you're Australian, it's harder than ever to crack into a starting 11. Um, yeah, I, I do agree. Um, look, but I think then again, players want to play for the big clubs. Um, you know, like if you want to go play in, um, you know, I don't know. Where, like where, like you know, if you want to go play in a kind of lower league in Europe, then yeah, of course you'll start. But I guess players have high expectations, so yeah. Yeah, I agree with that one. So we'll move on to the next one, which was from Alon underscore Grin twenty two. Yeah, so he's written in and said, um, "I really don't care about diving at all. Legit and fair part of the game." Oh, um. We actually had a similar one on Twitter as well, which was that um, from the good on paper pod, basically the same thing that he had no issues with players diving and he felt that it was similar to players putting their hands up for a corner or throwing when they know they touched it last. I don't know if the penalty is as harsh in terms of if you dive in the box and you, and you get awarded a penalty that could, literally change a game it could win yeah. a team a world cup it could win a game of champions league but winning a corner or a throw in i think it's also different with var so clearly yeah. diving is actually going to get stamped out um i'm not a big fan of var um but i i don't like seeing players dive you know i find it really hard to like say look at neymar during the 2018 world cup and say that i don't care about the antics because i do because it, 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 you know, it, it's, it's not a good look. Yeah. I mean, we're playing the beautiful game. Like, mm, it, it is a, uh, I, I, um, personally, I can't agree. I just, I just like fundamentally disagree with it. 
so much. I can understand why players do it. I totally can. Uh, but me watching it, it, it ruins the spectacle. Um, yeah. I agree. When we're in, when we're in the Northern Terrace and we, we see a Sydney FC player dive, there's nothing we hate more. And we'll rip yeah. into them for the rest of the game. So, yeah, for yeah. me, I agree with you. But I don't even like when my own team's player does No, I, I me like neither. It. No, it's not um, a good look. Yeah. And, and so the, the next opinion, which is sort of almost the opposite of that, um, from Oscar Samios, um, who I met at the, the 2018 World Cup. So shout out to you. Um, ref should crack down on dissent and book players. And he said that in his local competition, there's a 10-minute sin bin. Um, I'm guessing descent. I'm not sure if you mean diving there or just sort of like the petulant kind of kicking the ball away, which to be honest, I hate that. I, that really bothers me. Um, when you commit a foul, I think you might mean like foul, foul language towards the ref. Yeah. Okay. Look, to be honest, all that stuff really could be stamped out. Um, I don't like the idea of a 10 minute sin bin, but like if it's stamped it out, then like, yeah. I, I, it's part of other sports like rugby league and rugby union, I think, but I don't yeah. think dissent in terms of abusing the ref or getting in, in the ref's face. A lot of the times they, they do give yellow cards for it. Yeah. Maybe they but, don't do it as often, often as they later should. Later in the game. Yeah. It, it'll only yeah. really hope happen past the 70th minute mark or when the team's losing. I think there's definitely room for a sin bin when we're talking about those like fouls that are like, in between that yellow and red card, you know, sort of like a, a one-on-one situation, but it's not as close to the goal. So then the player brings it down knowing it's only going to be a yellow. I find that really frustrating. Um, I think refs should be harder on things like that, yes. Um, but at the same token, you want to, at all costs, keep as many players on the field as you can. Yeah. But if a sin bin was to just stamp it out and then no player was ever sent to the sin bin great but i feel like we would have a lot of players in the sin bin at all times um yeah you know what i I like that opinion i mean whatever let's try it be cool i think for me a lot of the times these people that's their living and and their competitive beast that's why they've got to this point in their career of playing professional sports so there's always going to be a lot of i don't know the exact word but there's always going to be a lot of excitement and they're very competitive so i think it's just part of the game passion yeah passion um moving on to a few a-league ones um we've got uh written in from lucas bonazza i believe that um, let me know if i'm pronouncing that wrong um canberra deserves an a-league team and should have had one from inception um yeah i tend to agree um there's a lot of new south wales clubs but there's not a canberra one it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me yeah the capital city of of our country Look, maybe not Inception. Maybe there wasn't a big enough market, but it definitely should have been probably the first team to come in. It should have come in before a Gold Coast or a, a North Queensland team uh, and definitely before a Western United team. So um, I, I, yeah, I, that's pretty simple in my eyes. That's just an agree. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was trying to think how many New South Wales clubs there were. There's Sydney, Western Sydney, Newcastle, Central Coast. Yeah. And then um, obviously MacArthur coming in next year. And MacArthur coming in next year. Yeah. But I think, I think, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree as well. Maybe not from inception, like you said, but I wouldn't have been really opposed to that either. Yep. Um, Kevin McColl 
one of our mates has sent in. Uh, Central Coast Mariners are an iconic A-League club and were one of the most dominant and consistent of the first decade of the league. Um, yes, this is true. This is a this is a um, this is a true statement. I, I think um, <laughs> uh, I, I do remember watching the A League um, in the days of, of Central Coast pulling ten to fifteen thousand crowds. Um, and to be honest, I'm personally quite saddened by their fall off, and I, I really do fear for their future. Um, um, the, I think they are iconic, and I think they're iconic because of the players that they've produced. I mean. Thank you. Like, thanks to the Mariners, we have players Matt like Ryan. Matt Ryan, who gave those players a chance. Um, Trent Sainsbury, I mean, the list goes on. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to look. If they cease to kind of be playing in our top league in the first, in the next couple of years, then I, I, I'll miss them because I, I, yeah, I, I actually couldn't agree more with that one. I don't know exactly if, if it's happened yet, but I saw in the news, I think a couple of months ago, that there was a, a big investor or something along the lines that was yeah. willing to take over. I don't know if it's happened or if it's in the works or yeah. if it's fallen through, but I think they're such an iconic club that they were one of the best and most dominant teams of, of the first decade. Like Kev said, they've yeah. got an iconic stadium. They've produced yeah. the Socceroos goalkeeper and captain. Who, and or ex-captain. Captain, yep. 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 In, um, in Milligan. No, Milla Yedinak. Sorry. I just, yeah, just uh, um, got, my, got wrong M there. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's he's on the money there. I can't really disagree with that one. Um, Matt McColl, um, Kev's brother, and uh, featured on our ranking our Socceroos World Cup performances, um, has said Team Eleven would have been a much better choice than Western United for A League expansion, um, and it would have been in a much better area with a growing footballing population down. Uh, what is it to the south? Casey. Yeah, to the southeast of Melbourne. Um, yeah, look. They're, I had a look. I had a look uh, just before we, we we started recording. They're both literally thirty to thirty five k's away from the city. I think the real problem with Western United is this lack of stadium. Like, uh, would Team Eleven have had a stadium? Didn't they want to have a boutique stadium? But also, like, we know how hard it is to get something like that off the ground. Um, I don't know. I think that's like a time will tell thing. Um, I don't think I know enough to make a proper judgment on that about the actual demographics. Um, hmm. I think Western United, personally, I think Western United is the right choice. I think, like you just said, yeah. it's it's about the stadium, the, the purpose-built stadium in yeah. Hoppers Crossing, I believe. I know, like, I don't live, I live in the southeastern suburbs, not as far southeast as, as Danny Nong slash Casey. Yeah. But, I know a lot of people from the area and they're huge Melbourne victory fans. Whereas I don't know if, if the game has sort of reached that sort of hoppers crossing and, you know, they've obviously been playing in Geelong. So that sort of taps into that market yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so we'll, um, we're now up to the last kind of few. Um, and these are kind of some random ones that we couldn't really categorize. Um, so um, take it away, Nick. Yeah, we had this one from Mecca Setiawan, and their opinion was that the Europa League is better than the Champions League. I can sort of see the 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 narrative behind it. Like a lot of a lot of great players and a lot of teams that you know don't really have the opportunity, and that's sort of their first 
taste of being with the big boys as such. I know like a lot of, you know, I'm obviously Greek and a lot of Greek teams, you know, play in the, the Europa League. But in terms of the Champions League is the pinnacle of, of the sport other than the World Cup, I'd say. Yeah, pinnacle of club football. I mean, Europa yeah, it's League... Yeah, the pinnacle of club football. Yeah, I can see where this is coming from. Um, and I, I really l- enjoy the latter stages of the Europa League. But, gee, I, I find it really hard to get into the Europa League group stage. Um, 12 groups of, what is it, so 48 teams. Yeah, I, I don't even know usually... Te- if you I actually saw Optusport, I think two weeks ago, posted the badges of every one of the teams. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, if you can name all of them, you know, you, watch you know too your much football. football. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know like probably 10 or 15 or 20 of yeah. them, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, I, n- no, I just, I look, yeah, I, 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 can I, see, I appreciate I can the thought. Narrative. I just, I personally don't agree. I love the Champions League um, and I would watch it over the Europa League every day of the week. So now we got another one from Harris Diveny, who we had our fan culture part three, I believe. Yeah. Where we talked about music and stuff. So if you, if you like that sort of stuff, check that one out. Um, and his opinion, big Celtic fan, was that Rangers died in 2012. Um, look, it's like factually correct. Um, uh Rangers entered administration and liquidation in 2012 um, and have reformed under a different uh, kind of company name. Um, So yes, that is a, well, I I guess, I guess it's, I don't know enough about it really, to be honest. I mean, we've got to stipulate between what, what is a club is the club, the kind of um, kind of structure running it, or is it the badge and the, and the Jersey, uh, Look, I definitely think the old firm is probably not the same as what it once was. Um, and it's a decade that Rangers would rather forget. Um, I just, I, I don't want it to have, like, it, by saying Rangers have died is kind of taking a whole lot of, like, feeling out of the old firm. Because I think there is still hatred. And I, and I, you kind of, I, I kind of want Rangers to be, um, playing well to, to make that that derby exciting and bring scottish football back um but yes that is a correct opinion that that they do not exist as the club they once did yeah, um, but i think there's a bit more of a sort of like harris does hate rangers <laughs> as correct. well correct yeah i'm not a massive fan of them what they stand for as a club but they're um, still the most successful team in scotland though yeah unfortunately but anyway um stevie g stevie g fan um all right last couple marco dp who's been a big fan of ours um so thank you shout out shout Um, out to marco benzema karen benzema is a top five striker of the last decade he said alongside robert Lewandowski, luis suarez sergio aguero and zlatan ibrahimovic i think this is a really good take um i think we have a big fan of his yeah, I think we'd have to stipulate um, that Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi would not be considered in that. Um, I think for me in the last decade, Lua and, and Suarez are the standouts. Um, Ibra probably just behind third. Um, I would have Benzema on about the same level as Sergio Aguero. Aguero um, to be honest, I think Benzema's got a slightly better all-round game. Um, uh, yes, I, I would agree with this. I think he's underrated. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you've mentioned it on three or four or five episodes about how much of a fan of, of Benzema you are. I think, I think, yeah, I think probably it's sort of hard. I say. Yeah, I, I would say he's the ahead of Ibra. Um, probably just behind Ibra, just ahead of Aguero. Um, so you think Aguero is the fifth? Yeah, I think That's I think Lewandowski. I would have put him third. I think Lewandowski and Suarez are the two clear cut above. Yeah. And it'd be an interesting debate um, between those two. They have pretty much the exact same um, goals to games ratio. Um, I think Benzema offers more than goals. I think, I think I would put Benzema third if he had kept playing for France and he was a World Cup champion as well. Um, but he, I don't think that's down to his lack of ability, though. No. Which is but, sad. Which is sad. Yeah. 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 Um, but yes, whether he's third, fourth or... Whatever he's definitely top five. He should go. He should go and play for Algeria for the last couple of years. I yeah, reckon. Yeah, he he would if he could. Yeah. So this next one, which is our second last opinion, was from Jop Van X J C K underscore eleven. Bit of a mouthful that one. His Instagram handle. His opinion was that Lewandowski is on the same level as R nine and. Um, it's actually, in the last couple of days, I've actually been watching quite a few R9 videos, trying to find a vintage Brazil R9 kit from, you know, 2002, 2004 yeah. era. Um, is, he, is he on the same level? This I know you like, love Lewandowski. Yeah, this is such an interesting um, opinion. So thank you. Um, oh, it, we had R9 um, as our third or fourth best player. Of the century, um, I to be, it depends what we're classing them as. Um, I think R nine's peak is better. Yes, I I I don't think there's any debate over no. that. No. Um, R nine probably had one of the best peaks um, in the history of the of the whole game. Um, Lewandowski, this is going to hurt because R nine is in this sort of cultural kind of. Um, place where people probably overrate him purely because of how iconic he was. But we are talking about a player that only scored 18 Champions League goals. Um, and we're talking about Robert Lewandowski, who I think what almost scored that in one season of the of Yeah, the I was going to say, he probably scored, I think he scored 12 or 13 this season. Um, is he on the same level as R9? I think he's close. I think as much as that is going to hurt... Um, like some of the kind of uh, the nostalgia of a player like R9. Um, clearly, if R9 had played a full career uh, with with no injuries, um, then there's no competition. But Lewandowski, I think they are about equal on national team goals. Um, they are Robert Lewandowski has more goals for um, at club level. Um, he, <sighs> I don't know. I, it just really depends on what you measure it on. Over their career, uh, I think we're, all, we're going to be talking about them in the same bracket. Yeah. Um, I guess this opinion states on the same level. I think by the end of his career, Lewandowski will be, and I know that is going to hurt, um, but Nick's shaking his head. No, nah, I don't think so. I, don't, I mean, Lewandowski pr- would have probably won the Ballon d'Or this year, but and I think... I think 
R9's remembered for, for that 2002 World Cup. And also, obviously, his time at Barcelona, Inter, True. and Real. Yeah. Lewandowski um, doesn't have a big international tournament that he's done well no, they, at. So. They've, uh, R9 scored 62 goals for Brazil and Lewandowski scored 61. But Lewandowski is basically Poland. Whereas yeah. Brazil, um, Ronaldo played in a star-studded Brazil team. He won the yeah. FIFA World Player of the Year three times and he won two Ballon d'Ors. But it's just his... Pe- if he, like you said... Look, if culturally, for culturally, years, yeah, culturally R9, totally. Totally. And, and yeah. his impact on the game and everything. But as, as a pure goal scorer, their stats and their goals to game ratios is quite close. So I just don't think you'd have R9, uh, Lewandowski in your like top five players of this century, whereas we had... Would, but yeah. Yeah. You would you would R nine purely Look, they're because both, of how though, good they are both was. the standout striker of their sort of era. Um, era well generation, but yeah, Ronaldo's probably more an era, um, the modern era. Yeah. Um in I think it's an interesting comparison though, and also you could be interesting where you'd put Luis Suarez in on that. Um but uh which which leaves us um with our last opinion, which comes in from all the way from Bournemouth. Uh, from from Joe Smith, who we featured on part four of our fan culture, um, where he spoke about his um, relationship with AFC Bournemouth and and the club and the community there, which was uh, super interesting. So a bit of an English opinion to round us, round it off. Um, that David Beckham wasn't that good of a footballer. Um, I, my opinion on this has changed throughout kind of life. I used to think he was incredible. And then I dug a bit deeper and I found out, okay, maybe that was a bit more the image um, and he wasn't actually that good. And now recently I'm now coming around more to thinking, no, he actually was quite good. Um, uh, it's an interesting one. I, he, I think he's probably more qualified to talk about it than what we are, obviously. Yeah, oh yeah. Living in England and, and watching him probably throughout his childhood. I think he was clearly a very good player. Yeah. But a lot of the time, I think with Beckham, it's like the stuff away from football too, which was yeah. a big part of his, a big part of his sort of overall image, you know, marrying yeah. the Spice Girl and, and he had his clothing and his colognes and he had his fashion. He had all that stuff. Yeah. Look, I mean, Alex Ferguson listed the world-class players that he'd worked with. Um, and he does not name David Beckham in that. I think there's six players he lists. Um, yeah. Includes Paul Scholes, um, you know, Cantona, but no Beckham. Um, and clearly Sir Alex is going to be far more qualified than us as well to talk about it. Um, yes, I think David Beckham was not a world... Well, isn't not that he was never a world-class footballer, but no, he he's not on that level of um, Paul Scholes, Frank Lampard. Steven Gerrard, um, he is probably the most iconic, well, one of the most iconic footballers and still is um, with his kind of relationship to the MLS. But I, I would say probably for the general football fan, then I agree, Joe, that probably the general public think he um, is better than he actually was. He's one of those players with an incredible highlight reel. Um, but He was part the, of an amazing team too. And in one sense, and this is going to sound super harsh, a bit of a one-trick pony. Um, the trick was very good and um, won a lot of games. Um, he was one of the best crosses of, of a ball we've ever seen. Um, 
was was there that much else to his game? Uh, I don't know. Um, dead ball and, and crossing. Dead ball specialist. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, would he would he run a game? No. Um, so yeah, I guess. Wow, that's twenty. I think that's twenty six opinions done. Um, like all of them, like super interesting. Um, I like loved seeing them come in and thinking about what I was going to say about them doing my, doing my research. Um, so if you've made it this far, um, thank you for, for sending in your opinions. And, um, I would, I would, having done this now, I would love to do a part two, Nick. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I love the concept. I love the idea. It's, you know, it's something, you know, we can cover a lot of topics in one episode and sort of in it and, you know, cover them for two or three minutes each. So, I found it really interesting and, you know, we, we had some differing opinions. A lot of the time we did agree with, with the opinion of, you know, the person that sent it in, but a lot of the times we also didn't. So a real good contrast of, of opinions and yeah, I really enjoyed talking about it. Absolutely. Um, and as we mentioned, our last opinion was from Joe Smith, um, who, as I mentioned before, featured on fan culture part four. And Joe has very uh, nicely shared with us a piece of music um, in which he features on, uh, which you're about to hear now as our new outro. Um, so our, uh, our new outro song, um, thank you to Ryan Butterworth Music, um, who is the, the owner of this track um, in which our friend Joe plays bass. Um, so check out Ryan Butterworth Music on Instagram. Um, we'll put that up in our, in our socials and uh, enjoy our new outro and um, we'll see you guys next week.